listening to the Audio Nowcast, sponsored by API and Wire World Pro Audio. Now from the Nowcast Network Studios, here's Mike. Hey, welcome to the Audio Nowcast. My name is Mike Rodriguez and before we get going, let me introduce the gang that we have. And actually, today's a really super special uh, Audio Nowcast because we're here uh, over at API at their world headquarters in Jessup, Maryland. And uh, we're going to be visiting with... Um, the inner sanctum of API. Over here on my right, we've got the man himself, Mr. Larry Dropa. Welcome, Mike. Thanks for coming in. Nice to have you here. (laughs) Well, it's a pleasure. Thank you for having us here. Uh, Across the table, we've got um, some new blood to the API family, Mr. Dave Hinsey. Well, thanks for having me, Mike. I feel feel famous just for knowing you. And across the table, we have uh, one of the brains behind some amazing products, Mr. Todd Humara. Hello, Mike. Thanks for having me. And finally, last but not least, we've got producer extraordinaire, Miss Bliss McGinnis. Hello, everyone. I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> now, this is a really special podcast because we're out here um, working on a, uh, a project for API. And I said, I was talking to Larry. I said, hey, you know, as long as we're out here, let's do a podcast. And, and I said, hey. Why not? No, your first response was no. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and you twisted hard enough, and then I complied. No, it wasn't. He actually said it was a it was a good idea, and so we got some of the some of the guys here that are part of the API family, and we're just going to spend some time talking about API um, because API is is a fascinating company. It's it's it defined the sound of API really defined rock and roll. You know, it's it's pretty amazing. If you look at the history of API when Saul Walker started it 50 years ago and to where it's come, just all the innovations, not only in the councils themselves, but the technologies that they've developed and the recording process, uh, especially for the last, let's say, 10 years, has really been defined by API. They've been really um, a leader in, in the market to a lot of products that other manufacturers have kind of copied and done their own spin. So we're going to spend some time. But... You know, if we're going to start talking about API, we got to we got to start uh, at the beginning of API. Uh, and Larry, you can help me fill in some of the gaps here. But um, Saul Walker started API. Saul Walker was a co-founder uh, of the company in 1968-1969, and he did a lot of the circuit design. He right? was the engineer, mm-hmm. and and so he developed basically the API sound. That's correct with the op amp. Mm-hmm. The famous, the famous twenty five twenty, which we still make today, the same way, same way, and and uh, that op amp is responsible for some amazing music. The the, the I, I think if you were to call it the, the defining sound of API is is created by the op amp and a transformer. So that combination is really what makes the the character, if you will, uh, of the API products. So. Saul starts it, and then he uh, ends up uh, selling the company. It goes into you know a couple different hands and and is out there for a little bit. You know, people over at Sunset Sound are involved a little bit with the Demidio ears, and then and then uh, Larry uh, with the ATI Group, um, who made amazing touring consoles and monitor boards. Right? You That's right. Yeah. So well, I have a. Uh, I had a history in, in live sound, so uh, you know I was a live sound engineer on uh, in both house and monitors for uh, for several years, and then 
met my wife on the road, and when we decided to have kids, we figured maybe it would be a little smarter if we didn't spend 10 months a year on the road. So uh, started a company to manufacture audio products that, uh, that we knew how to use, that we, that we were very familiar with. You met some of the most amazing people on the road, didn't you? Over the years, yeah. Yeah, yeah sure did. Some that have been super important to you. Shall I go into detail, Mike? <laughs> uh, you know, I have the, the you know sort of opposite ends of the spectrum uh, at times. I have the dubious distinction of having spent uh, several weeks on the road with a band who was in the Guinness Book of Records as the loudest band in the world. Which was? Um, uh, the band was called Man of War. Man of War. Man of War. Boy, did they. Uh, it's a three-piece power trio. Oh, but, Hold on. i got to look them up on Spotify. Truth be, yeah, do, yeah, do it. There's pro- <laughs> they're still there. Um, but they were really nice guys. They were great guys, and they were—they believed every bit in what they were doing. Um, but it was the only gig I ever did where I mixed front of house and wore earplugs <laughs> while I mixed. Did you Which, get a lot? Did you get a lot of this from the guys? Huh? What? <laughs> huh? That—that <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, that was it. Was quite the opportunity. Uh, you know, I did the summer series with the Rhode Island Symphony. Uh, I worked with Ann Murray. Uh, spent a year on the road with a band called Petra, uh, and um, sort of. You know, worked my way uh, up the ladder. I would, I would say uh, altogether. But then, uh, what? Celia Rain, Kaylee Rain, Kaylee Rain. Yep, uh, I was another one. Um, but the band was called something different prior to that. Uh, but but had probably the pinnacle of, of my particular career was uh, I had the opportunity to uh, step into the monitor seat uh, uh, for Stevie Wonder, and uh, I mixed his in-ear monitors for a total of twelve years. Traveled the world. Played for, as I say, presidents and kings and some of the most destitute people I've ever seen. It was quite the experience for me. I would say life-changing. For it really you. was, yeah. <laughs> taught me to, uh, actually taught me to listen better. I, I trained my ears, thanks to Stevie's ears, uh, to, to train myself how to listen. And uh, it really helped. And that's where I met Larry on the road. And I was the young buck. Boy, were you? <laughs> who came into the uh, the touring scene? And Larry, actually, he was uh, pretty much the first person I met on uh, when I came into rehearsal. I remember I was looking around because you, you you're by yourself and you kind of want to bond with somebody. And nobody wants to bond with the drum tech. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Larry would talk to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, at that yeah. time I, I started like, off on drums. I feel like we should dedicate this podcast to drum techs everywhere. <laughs> no, but it was really great because actually I learned a lot from Larry because he was really um, – he allowed me to ask a lot of questions and he gave me answers without making fun of me. So it was really cool and some basic stuff that you would think you would know but you're always too embarrassed to, you know, to – ask and and so larry actually um helped me out a lot and to be honest his gig was really um i had the feed that larry did to stevie's when i moved into um, keyboard tech so i would hear larry's mix which was the same mix as stevie's mix and it was really good it was like it was really good well album quality as we as we like to say yeah and um (laughs) talk about if you think about it you were, you know, that was the best mixes for the smallest audience ever. Exactly, right. right. And it was the ultimate gig because, I mean, every, every engineer, I think, every guy who mixes live sound would love to mix to headphones and big stereo. Yeah. And that's exactly what I did. Exactly. I mean, the bigger the stereo, the wider it was, the more dynamic it was, the more successful I was because uh, that's, what, uh, that's what the client wanted to hear. Yeah, and you only had to please one person. That's and right. You had a bunch of other people that just, listen but really it was just that one guy yeah yep. and it was but 
but truth, truthfully, uh, you know, very important to the success of the show. Oh, absolutely. I, I think one of the things that, that doesn't get mentioned a lot is if you go to, you know, back in the day, you go to Stevie Wonder concert, there was a lot of energy and it was, you know, he did some amazing things. And I think half the reason is, A, because his monitor feed was so good. It was very energetic and it just really was inspiring. And it just kind of kept everything bubbling. It just kind of kept everything going. Well, thanks for that comment, Mike. But I must say, I had an equal amount of admiration for the man and for his talent. Uh, and it was a pleasure. Uh, to sit on that side of the stage and uh, mix that audio. Well, that's great. So Larry comes from a background of you know uh, being on the road, and then uh, you had your company ATI, and you had the Paragon and the Paragon Two, and then fill us in on on the early beginnings where you did the crossover. Well, I had the opportunity in 1999 to uh, to acquire API. Uh, and it seemed at the time like it, it was it was a good match with ATI, uh, in that we both companies had a had a passion for the customer and had a commitment to, to treat the customer well. Uh, and, and so combining the the two made sense uh, from a practical aspect. And I thought at the time there was probably a, you know a few year a good years left of of. Uh, you know, analog console uh, sales because the world was going digital in that in that you know two, early two thousands. But what actually happened uh, was the technology changed uh, every couple of years in those in the early two thousands, and there was a significant backlash against some of the early digital product. Um, you could buy a, a a digital console and in two years' time, nobody wanted to use it because the, the sample rate had doubled and the bit rate had extended, et cetera, and, and it didn't do what it did you know, a year or two prior. Whereas you bought an analog console, I mean, it's going to do the same thing it does for the next 20 years and do it well. Uh, so we, we really we benefited from that backlash against some of the early digital product uh, and worked really hard to rebuild the brand and, and make API... Uh, sort of back into the uh, respected company that it, that, it, that it used to be. You know, you brought up a really good point because I, I was actually going to bring that up because when you got in there, API um, had a really good reputation, but it wasn't nearly as uh, as known, I guess, mm-hmm. would be the right mm-hmm. thing. I mean, the people who used it knew about it, but it just didn't have the, the market penetration or or... Just people didn't know about it, yes, you know. That's right. Uh, and uh, so that's one of the the really good things that you've done is actually taken the brand and actually, um, you know, elevated it. Um, and one of the things that helped that was the product design. And, mm-hmm. and you got into the company and you just didn't like sit still. You just started doing some innovation and you just started doing some really really interesting things and you had some really great products right off the bat that came out you know that were successful right like the, right. the 2500 came out that mm-hmm. was pretty successful mm-hmm. and and then obviously the lunch box was was doing great but the fact that you released the lunchbox spec out into the wild that, that was a little frightening yeah that, uh, tell us a little bit about that that's i mean not many companies will say okay yeah here here's here's our our proprietary you know uh, format our proprietary technology, and mm-hmm. we're just going to give it away. Yeah, well, uh, we struggled with that idea, 
because there were a couple of people who made, started to make products that fit into that lunchbox format. And it was, it was, it was a little terrifying uh, to think that other people could make a product that would go into that lunchbox and that may have some uh, uh, success in you know cutting into what we consider to be our market. Um, but by releasing the specifications for the 500 series, as we call it now, uh, things that fit in the lunchbox, it created a method by which we could guarantee to the customer, who was the ultimate person that we needed to care for, that the, uh, any module you put into a lunchbox would, in fact, operate properly, draw the required amount of current, uh, and not damage other pieces in the lunchbox. So you know, it, it made sense to do it to protect ourselves and our products, as well as protect the customer from other dangerous products that might find themselves in the marketplace. Which is brilliant because right then, the way digital was working with plugins, you essentially created an analog plugin. Mm -hmm. and, and that was something that everybody could kind of uh, relate to. We didn't think about it that way at the time, but that's kind of what happened. <laughs> so then, Todd, um, you're working in engineering. Uh, when did you come in and get involved with, with API? Where, where was your entry point? I, uh, I actually first met Larry on the floor of an AES in 1995 while I was still in college wandering up. And uh, at the time, I was had spent summers and weekends working for a live sound company up in upstate New York that Larry had also worked at years ago. And I learned that and ended up sort of learning about him and the console. And so I wandered wandered down to an AES and wandered around and introduced myself um, and things worked out. So uh, I ended up coming to work for him in after graduating in 1996. It's always better if you're going to introduce yourself to, uh, to somebody that, at a company you want to work for, if you can find some common thread that, that, that connects you to either that person or that company. That, that, Todd was shrewd in that regard and it worked out. <laughs> Definitely seems to have worked out. Way to go, Todd. So yeah, I also came from a live sound background. I was mixing live sound at the time. And um, so, I mean, to me, it was a spectacular opportunity to come design live consoles. So I, like I said, started working in 96, designed um, with the Paragon 2 with Shane Morris at the time. You worked on the Paragon 2? Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. that The Paragon 2, like... Too bad the market just dived after that. Mm, that is because that was the pinnacle of a live board. It was you could not get an awesome any console. better than that. Like dynamics on every channel, busing for days. Yep. It was really amazing. So uh, I did that. Good job, by the way. Yeah, well, thank you very much. <laughs> um, so yes, I was around through the years when API was purchased. Yeah. Um, perhaps like a child who needed an adventure. I, I I wandered away in 2002 for a few years to sort of explore some other parts of the world and then uh, ended up coming back in 2006. Uh, and by that time, the live stuff was pretty much done and gone done. as far as Over. consoles were concerned. Um, but came back to work and have been here ever since. Uh, what was the uh, first thing you worked on when you came back? What product? Probably the first 
big thing was that was right when we were designing the 1608. All right, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. So you come back, you start working on that, and yep. you've been over 1608 on. Yeah, that's with them. correct. And so that brings us up to uh, you know now, and then I got to go over here to Dave. Dave, when did you get involved, and how did you get involved with, oh, wow. with API? I wish that my story was uh, was as long uh, and, and and elaborate and, and wonderfully storied as. Uh, as Larry and Todd's, oh, um, it will be someday. Maybe, yeah. This is just the beginning. So, um, <laughs> so I've uh, I've I've only been with API for a little bit over a year and a half, um, and uh, I have a, a twenty year you know career in sales. But all the while, ever since I was uh, you know five years old and I picked up the cello for the first time, I've been a lifelong musician. So, uh, you know, I played in bands. I. Uh, you know, I went to Nashville for a while. I'd been uh, in and around studios a bit and uh, done some recording and songwriting. And so it was always this, uh, this like passion for, for, for music and the creation of it. Uh, and uh, while I've been training in sales for 20 years, this has been a really cool marriage of my training and my passion. Right. And that, I mean, I get to work for the greatest audio company in the world. Yeah. And like I pinch myself every day that I walk in. So <laughs> incredibly grateful to be working for for this company. And, um, so it's been, it's been a really, really fun, almost two years now. So, well, let me just say you, you got into a pretty exclusive club because the sales guys here, Mark and Dan have been here forever mm. and they're really great. And I, I can't say enough about them and, and Dan and everybody knows Dan, if you're looking for a console, yeah, um, absolutely. but, uh, to be able to come in there and, and that's, uh, I think it's just been great to see the way you've kind of, it into it. Yeah, and it's 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 been really exciting too. You know, you mentioned Dan Zimmerman and, and Mark Seaman, my uh, you know the director of sales, and my uh, my uh, my coworker Mark. So they have been so generous in sharing their wealth of knowledge. I mean, Dan's been selling consoles for API for what thirty years since before before ninety nine, anyway. Yeah. yeah, and Mark's been here for over twenty years now, and. Um, you know, they have such a wealth of knowledge and experience to be able to to share that with me has yep. been fantastic. So API, you got you came over, you acquire ATI acquires API, and then you start rolling. And there's a couple things I wanna I wanna we're not gonna go year by year because it's just a really it's a great history. And and guys, if you wanna sell these testimonials, you can go online. There's gonna be testimonials for days um, on that. But I wanna talk about a couple things um, from a manufacturer's point of view. Uh, number one, so what's the most bizarre request you've ever had for a console? Bizarre request? Yeah, have you ever had anybody said, Hey, can you put uh, an LED such and such, or mood lighting, or you know, any any. Hmm. Well, I, there was I, somebody who wanted like like a super symmetrical frame. I, that wasn't probably the most bizarre, but that was a little bit of a bizarre one. I'm trying to remember the details. Because here's the thing: one thing one, about but. API is you guys are known for your customer service. Because uh, you don't yes. hear too many people ever say anything negative about API's customer service. You're so consumer friendly. You're so customer friendly. Well, we like people. And you have turns like, out you have a five year warranty. Like mm. who does that? And uh, I mean, they say it's five years, but don't tell Larry I said this. But if it was like five and a half, they'd probably still honor it. But uh, you know, you, you're so good with your customers, like. I, why can't every company do that? Well, uh, you know, to, so to maybe zero in on your on your question a little bit, you know, we don't consider 
custom requests oftentimes as being that bizarre, maybe. Oh, okay. Because you know, different people have different sort of approaches to, to audio, to recording, to mixing, whatever. Uh, and so when, when, when somebody wants to set up a console uh, for their particular application and their studio, uh, you know, we, we, we try to accommodate those requests. Wow. Dave, Dave can maybe think of one. I've, I've got one because okay. it was, it was this, this calendar year. Um, obviously, we're celebrating our 50th anniversary, and we have, you know, the first two 50th anniversary releases were the the 312 and the the hand-wired 550A, which have a gold faceplate. Yep. And we had a customer through one of our dealers ask us if we could build him an eight-channel box console with all gold plating to match his 50th anniversary 500 series yeah, modules. That's right. That was a little weird. I must. Say. That was. I mean, I don't know if it was like gold member from Austin Powers or <laughs> gold or what. Gold I member. I love gold. <laughs> I love gold. Such the way I like it. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Okay, so the sunshine band. <laughs> well, I do know. You know, I've been to the, the the factory a couple times, and it just seems like every time I'm back in your little engineering area, they're always trying to figure out some little switch or some little something that someone has asked. And uh, it seems to me like... No, I, well, I, I, can, I can think of an, an unusual request, but it wasn't bizarre. Okay, yeah, that, that was the wrong uh, word then. Yeah, yeah. Um, we, we put a console in, in, in Zach Brown's um, place in, in mm. Nashville, yeah. uh, which is called Southern Ground. Uh, and when, uh, when we go in to specify a console, there's a whole list of of things that we go over to, to, to clear with the customer to uh, make sure they're happy. Uh, and, you know, and Dan mentions that the, you get a choice of wood uh, on your console, and so there's a, there's a whole booklet of wood choices, and, and the, the people at, at Southern Ground said, oh, no, no, we, want, we just want the console to be sort of plain, just plain wood, anything is fine. Because Zach has a friend who is an airbrush artist, uh, and so we shipped the top and sides of that console to uh, his painter, uh, and it was just uh, just plain wood, uh, and the guy airbrushed both ends and the top of that console, and uh, with the murals on either end of the console, and a starburst uh, painting lacquered paint job across the top. That's absolutely gorgeous. Uh, you know, it has, it's, it has a guitar finish, uh, and then the the bolster on a normal console is, is leather, uh, and they said, no, no, we just we don't want to leather bolster just send us the the form that the leather goes around and we'll take it from there and we didn't see the result until we went to put the con- to uh, went to install the console and it turns out the the bolster is a one piece of a 13 foot alligator so it's alligator bolster which there is none other in the world you know what and i've seen that console and that's a gorgeous we were working on uh bliss and myself were working on a spaces episode out there and well you've seen that console what do you think of that that console is just it's a stunner. It is, right? It's like it sure is. It, you, you look at that console, and that it's the most gorgeous console out yeah. there. Yeah, it's sure like is. such an aesthetic that just goes so well in the room, and it's just so beautiful, and you just can create such amazing things there. Yeah. Well, that's all right. That's not bizarre, but that no, was not bizarre at all. Yeah. That was a that was that's a cool. just fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 What are the what are the two figures that are on the uh, the two ends? It's like well, it's two, um, two women. It's a, a women's face, and on on one end, I call her an uh, octopus woman because it's a woman with octopus <laughs> tentacles, um, <laughs> but in a, a tasteful, attractive way. Um, <laughs> and the other side is a woman's face, and I call her eagle woman, but it's a woman with eagle feathers uh, <laughs> all over the place. Octopus but, woman, and eagle woman. Yeah, yeah, but they, but they truly are. It's a work of art. New superhero. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Two thousand twenty. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, that. So, I mean, you guys are definitely customer uh, uh, service oriented. You've you've done a lot of stuff. Um, let me ask you a question while we're still on this, and then I'm, we're, and then we're going to talk about some individual products. But um, why do you think? Um, and you will know this, but like your gear just lasts forever and it sounds so good and it actually like sounds better the older it gets is it just the electronics baking is it just like there's some secret something that's happening there and uh, well like i I think in in audio you probably don't want to use the word baking uh when you talk about your gear (laughs) uh um uh, well uh, yeah, it's true. You just stunned me. <laughs> so, um, it was the Southern Ground console. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, 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 it was yeah. Eagle Woman. Yeah. yeah. Well, but what yeah. I mean by that, but you know, the capacitors, they just they just yeah. have some time to heat up and just time to. What to, do you think, Todd? To, yeah. What is that? Um, uh, uh, it's a secret sauce. Yeah, it's a little bit of. I can't can't give you all the secrets. All right. right. Okay. Well, that's good that we know this in secret. It, it is true, though that that. The reputation for a lot of our products is, you know, longevity kind of fits into that descriptor Absolutely. sometimes, and and it go that goes all the way back to Saul Walker and those early designs because Saul had a military background, and so the early API products were made with mil spec components, uh, which are generally considered you know tougher and longer lasting, and they can take a you know harsher environment and all that so so those early api products were in fact made to military spec and that translated into the parts that that were used and that we continue to use uh in a, in a way that that a lot of those parts are are really of a you know a higher grade than some of the other things you see out there well you know that's that's answers a lot of questions because it's definitely, you know, you buy a piece of API gear and it's going to, it's a piece of gear for 20 years. It's going to work for tw- at the minimum 20 years. I mean, we still have, we've, we've been to consoles that are, you know, 40 years old, mm. you know, that are still out there that are working. So it's, it's pretty rare that you can buy stuff that lasts that long. I was talking to a friend of mine and I said, because uh, they were talking about uh, doing the Waves plugins and all that with the API. And I go, you do realize that if you got a real 560 in the long run, it's going to be cheaper than the plugins because of the updates that they have to do to keep plugging. And you have no idea where the recording technology is going to go. You know you're going to be spending hundreds of dollars every year, every couple of years just to keep having the same plugin. Whereas if you buy the 560, you just paid off and it's yours forever doesn't need any software updates that's right <laughs> hey let me ask you guys a question uh let's talk about some of these iconic pieces of gear you have really led the pack on a lot of things and and the one thing that just comes to mind is the 1608 like when the 1608 came in you know we were in a big console world and you had you know all the name brands had their bigger consoles and then you had the new stuff, like the icons coming out, the digital designs, and that that was you know really attacking the market in a hard way. And you guys came out with a 1608 that not only could compete with the big boys, but you actually took on the icons, and you're still relevant. Whereas they're <laughs> end of life and boat anchors in some studios. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. how did you decide to take that chance and take your iconic? giant consoles and say, you know what, we're going to do 
this with them. Well, let me tell you how we got there. Then I'll, I'll let Todd tell you about the technology. Uh, is that we we had a number of requests from people that that had 1604 consoles. Now the 1604 is a console that extends back into the 70s and was oftentimes used as a little sidecar, uh, 16 channels and four buses. Uh, and we recognized that a number of people had had they had access to a sidecar would be using it. Uh, and so we decided, well, let's take that 1604 idea, upgrade the technology and the, the structure of that console and give it eight buses, uh, you know, maintain the, the same design parameters of, of a console. And, and, and it was named the 1608. Now, we looked, looking back on it, we looked like geniuses when we came out with the console at <laughs> yes, that point in time. You, you sure but did. it was it was it was just fortuitous because uh, there were a number of requests for a console like that. We designed it, and then it just it just skyrocketed at the time when people could very easily make a studio in your spare bedroom or in your basement or whatever yeah. and turn out a, a, a releasable quality product. Uh, from your home studio. I mean, you invented a new category of consoles, and that's not easy to do. Literally, once you came out, then uh, some of the other people followed and tried to do it and failed miserably, some of them, and some of them worked out okay. But the like, cool thing about it, though, is that the, the, 16, uh, the 1608 is, is a real console. It has a center section. Yeah. And, and maybe Todd can talk a little bit about how we, we, we didn't we'd make a little cheapy console. Yeah, Todd, how did you... Squeeze that all in to the sixteen oh eight. I mean, it, it it has a lot of it doesn't. It has a lot of the same circuitry and everything that came out of the big consoles. It just has less of it. <laughs> um, so that was, um, you know, what can you take out? What do you got to keep to right. get the sounds? One of the other things that we did actually with the sixteen oh eight, it was the first time in quite some time that API went back to the inch and a half module width, mm. which rolled back a traditional 500 in a console, right. which is how they were done early on. But yeah. for the longest time with the legacy series, there was there were different widths and different formats and things. So that was probably another big piece. But um, yeah, it, there, there was a lot of cramming. Uh, it, it sits a little tight. Um, but yeah, we just sort of took out just enough to make it uh, make it fit and give it the full functionality that you would expect in a console of that size. And yet, at the same time, it, it's robust. It feels like a quality product. It's, it's not light. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, and it is a quality product. Yeah, it uses it, a lot of the same components that the larger frame consoles use. Now, did you know when that came out, a, well, you said it was fortuitous, but did you know, like, you you would define a new market for for those kind of boards? Absolutely not, no. It was, we thought we would supply the market for sidecar consoles and, and people yeah, that no. wanted a smaller and compact console, not knowing that, that the next thing you know, there'd be hundreds of them in the market. Yeah, I mean, it just caught fire. And then you, you see, like, I mean, some just great albums that have been recorded mm -hmm. on that, you know? Everything from like uh, Foo Fighters Wasting Light, which is one of my favorite albums, and, and uh, to you uh, 2 and, you know. Killers. <laughs> Killers and. Cheryl Crow. Cheryl Crow. 
Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's pretty iconic. We can name drop a few, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. okay the fun, so, the fun, fun thing you talked about it being robustness, the frame structure yeah. is actually straight out of the ATI Paragon live consoles. Wow. It, uh, if you looked at the two of them next to each other, they share some of the extrusion pieces that, and things like that. Talk about a cool crossover. So That's, some of the things we learned from, yeah. from live consoles um, translated into that, that console and its, its rigidity. Okay, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you another thing that I know crossed over. Uh, the thrust button on the compressor. I mean, yep. that... It's my it's my favorite button. It's genius. <laughs> it's genius. You know, uh, Todd, you want to tell what the thrust does? And it what it does is it puts a filter on the side chain signal of the compressor to um, not or to attenuate low frequencies into the side chain, which sounds technical. Um, what it does is it basically doesn't allow it. The like you talk about pumping of compressors and yeah. things like that, and it gets a way of just getting rid of that. It was actually the standard, every compressor in the Paragon console right. has just had it all the time. And so that was brought over from the ATI Paragons. And then one of the great things was to put a switch for it so you could have it both ways as yeah. opposed to just in all the time. And that got introduced in the 2500 and then it got introduced in the 527 and that was yep. just like, it was it's remarkable. Mm -hmm. And I, I want to define it another way. It's you can compress and not lose your attack transients. I mean, you can yeah. you can you keep that attack, which is that's magic. That's like the magic button. If you can compress something and not lose that attack, you've you've done something pretty magical. Yeah, you definitely keep some of the low end punch. And yeah, things like that, it's so. it's really cool. Yeah. So the uh, that now let me ask you another question: three twelve, five twelve, two twelve. All the What's same. What's the difference? They are the difference. A, they are. <laughs> Effectively all the same. The biggest and simplest difference is just features. A 212 is just mic only, whereas you get into something like a 512, you can do mic or line or instrument. They all spawn from the, the 312 is the original right. API mic preamp that was in the cards on the consoles and things like that. So they just, uh, it's different form factors. The, three, the 512 obviously in the 500, the 212 was the one slightly narrower at the time faceplate. We've actually widened and created a 212 at inch and a half now for the Axis consoles. Wow. But uh, that those are identical. Um, but yeah, it was, they're mostly just um, features. It's also interesting that, that people are most familiar with the 512 series mic pre. So they uh, oftentimes you'll hear the question, well, is a 2 12, like a cheaper version of a 512? <laughs> no, it's not because a 212 goes in every single console yeah. that we've made for years and years and years. Uh, and it, it hit records by the thousands have been made on the 212 mic pre's. Uh, Todd, how much headroom on a 512? Uh, it's all ATI products, what, plus 28, plus 30 DBU, I think? Plus 30. So it's interesting because we hear this all the time, both at trade shows and if I'm out doing a training with one of our dealers yeah. uh, or interacting with, with end users, you know, that there's that long-standing debate, which of the three sounds best. Oh, yeah. mm -hmm. Does mm -hmm. the one in the console sounds, sound best? And really, they all sound like API. They're yeah. all built with the same components to the same spec. Um, so there's this beautiful um, 
uh, consistency from product to product, whether you're talking about you know a 500 series rack piece or you know a, a legacy access console, there's they all sound like API. Um, and there's something I think comforting for anybody that buys one of our products yeah. uh, in that. So no, that's so true. And and it's just, it's just quality. Like you, when when you have API on the outside, you know the inside is just quality. I'll tell you one of my favorite pieces of gear, and let's talk about this: is the A to D. Mm. Not a lot of people are familiar with the A to D, but it's probably my favorite piece of gear because of two things. Number one, you get the two. Um, 312 mic breeds mm-hmm. that are in there, but also the uh, ADD. And I know you don't, I know you don't advertise this at, but you can do a little bit of analog, a little summing, a little analog magic. If you take your, your output, run it back into it and go digitally back into your interface, mm-hmm. it, it works so good. <laughs> it's so good. I mean, what was the thought process behind that, that whole product? I'd, I mean, it's as it's like you said. It's um, it's half of a thirty-one twenty-four, so it's two channels, a three twelve. But then um, we wanted to have the insert point as well, so you could right pull the audio straight out and then just feed straight into the converters, just to have flexibility. I mean, it it was all the signals were there, so it it was kind of a well, why not just put a connector and let you do exactly what you just described. So. That's cool. I'll tell you this. The one thing I like about API is you guys have not been afraid of digital at all. Like, I feel like sometimes there's, the companies are out there, they're like, there's, they release products and they cater products because they, they feel threatened by the digital revolution, especially what was happening. And I'm not going to name any names, but there's some companies out there. And it just seems like you guys, you know what you do, you do it well, and you've never been afraid of, of Pro Tools. You've never been afraid of, of mixing in the box. You've never been afraid of any of that stuff. And, and you come out with these genius products that just help in the long run, instead of working against digital, you guys are helping digital along the way. And you're almost helping digital stay relevant and making big sounds because you still keep that analog front end. Well, I, I think when we, when we when we come to those decisions and decisions are made regarding new products and, and what we should manufacture, uh, it's, it's oftentimes a, a roundtable discussion and, and more than one occasion uh, where we determine what products we should or would like to bring to market. Uh, and it was determined at that particular point in time that that a, a you know a, a product that had a digital output. Um, would be appealing to those who just need a couple of channels, but want to want to bring that result into some sort of digital uh, format. And, and thankfully, we had a uh, had a capable digital engineer uh, who uh, who said, "Yeah, I I can do that." <laughs> I'll tell you another product we're going to talk about. Uh, we got to talk about the box because once again, here you go. You came up with a sixteen oh eight. And now you're like, okay, now people are doing this and they're working here and this is the whole workflow. And you come out with the box, which is such a genius product. And, and I got to demo that at a couple of uh, AES NAMM shows. And uh, so I got really familiar with it. And it was so, some of the things that you did in that product were so genius. The zero dB was just where you can hit the button, every channel just goes to Unity. And then that's just brilliant because you're like, okay, go ahead. We know you're going to mix on your box. You know you're going to mix on the faders. So we're just going to help you out. You know, we're just going to, and it's so easy. Like, how did that come around? 
Like, where did that come from? Because once again, you define a whole new genre in that area. I remember being involved in the discussions. I don't exactly remember how it sort of... <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, I think it was one of those things where, again, in some kind of round table format, we, somebody just said, well, if we could bypass the fader, you would give the user then the confidence that they were passing through that channel at zero, which is the output of, let's just say, Pro Tools at this point. You know, I, I'm going through that, that channel at zero. I can go through the external console at zero. Uh, if I push that bypass button and the fader then doesn't enter into the equation. Right. Because there are legitimately so people who, who you know, a few dB up or down uh, in the fader makes a big deal uh, of difference to them. So uh, I, I think it was just one of those brainiac ideas that somebody came up with. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of thought, sort of like you said, Mike, about, well, how is it going to be used? Yeah. I mean, you could make a great product, but if it's not doesn't fit into a workflow, nobody's going to want it or need it. So there was a lot of that discussion with that product. And so on that side, on that summing input side, how is it going to be used? What's it mostly going to be used? It's going to be mixing down stems and things from Pro Tools. Yeah. And well, you know, it, the, the, the switch is so simple to do. Yeah. And it just shortens the path. And it's more, it was more of a discussion, well, people are going to just bump into the faders or something and yeah. then they're going to get all upset. It's yeah. like, well, let's just get rid of the faders. So. No, you know what You know what the button did is you made automation relevant for that console because you could take that out and now you can do all your automation. The other brilliant thing about that console is the flexibility of the compressors, two 527s, yep. or you link them together and you get a, basically a 2500. Genius! <laughs> and the flexibility of the routing on the program bus and how you can go in. I mean... It's so that is such a great little product, and now you have version two of that. Mm -hmm. You have eight mic pre's. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's essentially well, you've doubles your fun. Turns out, yeah, (laughs) and you've made the perfect product right there. (laughs) No, but it's seriously because those are products that if you put them into a studio, and we know people who have put them in studios, you can make money off of your gear. You Mm -hmm. can produce. Not just like you're working on a. It's not like you're working on something just like a legacy. You're actually working on a part of a legacy console, right, Dave? Well, yeah. I think it's important to note that the the box cha- the box console, whether it's the original four channel or now the eight channel box console, it's a console. Yeah. It's it's center a, section. It's got a full center section. Um, Eric Massey down Eric, in Nashville. Yeah. He went. You know, Miranda Lambert. I mean, all of her you know records were done on on a four channel box console, and that man loves his box. It's, I mean, he loves his box. <laughs> he won some kind of award. Uh, yeah, I, I I'd have to Google it. I don't want to. I don't want to put the wrong uh, awards out there. But but yeah, it's fantastic. Well, it's 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 pretty incredible. That 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 product itself is is pretty incredible. Um, now let me ask you. There's I know there's a lot of. 50th anniversary stuff coming out. You, you have products that you're dropping. Is there, is there anything you can tease? Can you tease anything? Products? Yeah. Any, what's, come on. Well, you know. Fill us in. AES isn't that far away, so there might be something there. I, we'll leave it at, can we leave it at that? Yeah. yeah. When's this podcast going to be, uh, uh, be released? Yeah. Okay, I try. You know, tr- truth be told, though, Mike, is that we're always working on something. I mean, we've got... Uh, a laundry list of products that we either would like to come out with or that we're we're working on and, and so uh, and and we we fairly uh, um, 
particularly don't release a product timed to a trade show. Uh, you know, a lot of people say, well, we have this great idea and we're going to re- talk about it at, um, let's say, the AES show, but it's not going to come out until June of next yeah. year. Uh, and uh, we, we, we try to avoid that. No, when your products come out, they come out. Yeah. And they come out strong. And you don't need a 2.0 update. Turns out. <laughs> so are there more products coming out? Yeah, there probably are. <laughs> Well, thank you for that insight. <laughs> We're very excited. <laughs> well, uh, you know, I just L- wanna... let me just hold this up here. This this is an example. <laughs> oh, <laughs> wow! Oh my god! I can't believe it. That's you're making one of those. I wish you guys could see this. This is awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, I won't say anything. Please <laughs> <laughs> sign NDAs. That's right. Well, um, I have to say that. One of the great things about API is you guys are selling big boards. You're selling big consoles still. There's not a lot of like, there's a lot of manufacturers that have just gone, just ceased to exist or don't do their big boards. And and uh, you know, being an American made company and and uh, manufacturer, it's it's. I often find it when I, especially when you look at the history of API, how funny it is that back in the day, like. Here you're this American company, and all these British artists want to record with the American, you know, API. Mm. And at the same time, Neve is over there, and all the American artists <laughs> want to record with with Neve. It's really kind of it's kind of funny some of the stuff. That's, yeah, I, that's I think it's kind of leveling out a little more these days, though. Um, Saul told me a really funny story. I had the privilege of interviewing him for, for a couple hours, and he told me the story about when he went to um, the Led Zeppelin console, mm. and he went to... Um, Jimmy Pages. Jimmy Pages. Mm-hmm. And he had the console, he brought it over there, and it wouldn't fit through the door. So he literally sawed it in half and put it through the door, and then had to resolder it all back together. Talk about pressure. Saul was... Let's talk about Saul for a little bit. Saul was a really, like, unassuming, kind, gentle man who was just a genius. He was a genius. He really was, yeah. He did some really yeah. great things, and he was, he's so humble. And, and I wish I would have known him back in the day because I would have loved to have seen him, A, cut the console in half, <laughs> but B, just being, <laughs> being there soldering mm-hmm. all those holes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Saul had a great insight into, I think, what what – a product ought to sound like mm-hmm. and what made good audio uh, and, and had the passion for maintaining that level of quality and consistency in the products. Yeah, he was, he, he also had a, um, he was brilliant and, and wasn't one to waste words. He mm. was like, when you talk to him, he was very clear and concise and, and just, he was, he just, I don't know. He, I could never see Saul ever panicking. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I could never see him ever being anything but calm and collective. And uh, and you look at those early uh, photos from the early API boards where it just looks like a spaghetti <laughs> full of <laughs> wires and stuff. Everything that's traces nowadays is mm-hmm. all actually real that's what wires. they call point to point. It used to be uh, that's you know, crazy. wires. Mm-hmm. Um, well, let me ask you. Uh, Todd, we'll start with you. What's tell me how you feel about working for API as long as you have, and and what does API mean to you nowadays? Um, I definitely love it. I've clearly been here for so long. I've just always sort of 
wanted to be in audio, so I kind of lucked out and uh, got this wonderful opportunity, and it's uh, it's worked along. I mean, it's it's just fun to make product that you see get used out in the world, and you can go to some friends. Oh yeah, that that record that you love, you know, we had something to do with that. So <laughs> that's, that's pretty cool too. Dave, what about you? What is what is working at API mean to you? Um, you know, I, similar to what what Todd said, I think anybody that gets involved in audio um, in this industry uh, does it because they're passionate about music or film or in some way music has impacted their life. Um, and so to work uh, under the same roof with other people that are so passionate about that is inspiring. Um, and But then also to, uh, to, f- to meet an artist or an end user that produced a piece of music that you know touched your life uh, and to find out that they recorded it on a piece of gear that you are in some way responsible for providing is is like I, I it's intangible i can't even describe how cool that is it's exciting it's like you feel um music such a big part of your life to know that you had a part of the music as well is really it's really neat um and it, honestly it's a uh, I consider it an honor and a privilege to work for a company that's so well respected, um, and I'm not just saying this because he signs my check and he's <laughs> he's sitting across the table from me. But um, you know, there's a there's a, a philosophy from the the top down that you know the way Larry uh, interacts with each of us, the way that uh, you know we make decisions as a company. I mean, it's really a, a family, um, and I love it when he refers to himself as the caretaker of the brand um, because I think that that. Uh, level of commitment to to API and its lasting legacy, uh, it really it, it goes from the top down, and so everybody carries that, which that's, is really cool. That's cool, Larry. Fifty years, and uh, the company is just doing really good. What? How do you feel? How does that make you feel when you look back at the legacy of API? I feel pretty good, Mike. Um, I'm 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 still at times, uh, overwhelmed by the fact that, and I've had the privilege of, of being in this position now for 20 years, uh, that, that we have a, a passionate group of employees that love putting this equipment together. We have a great group of engineers, salespeople, production people um, that collectively produce these products that that are ultimately responsible for either enhancing or drawing out people's creativity and allowing people to put that creativity into some format that other people can can listen to and enjoy uh, we have a, a small part in that that process but it's a very important part of creativity recording that creativity and preserving it for a lifetime uh, of enjoyment and and uh, that, that's what's uh, that really that makes me feel good i i want to add to what you said because um for the last year bliss and myself we worked on a series that believe it or not, will be coming out spaces. And we've been through studios all over the world. And 
a lot of them were API studios. And one of the, the best things about the brand is, first of all, your consoles fit in the culture of whatever studio they're in so well. Like there's just so much passion with the sound of that. It just molds in. For instance, you go to Visa Alert Studios and you see that giant vision console and it's just API and it's just gorgeous. But then, you know, we've been to studios like Studio Tanta in, in Tokyo and and that console just folds right into to their culture and their studio. And then you go into Nashville and you see the API consoles that are in Blackbird and you see the Zach Brown consoles. And then you go down to LA and then you see the API consoles that are in like Sunset Sound and you see Prince's room. You know, we, mm. we did some interviews in Prince's room where he, he sat behind that API console. And it's, it's just really amazing to see how API, it's, it's not a product, it's part of culture. And it's like... These engineers that work on it, they're, they're so passionate about the sound, about that. I mean, it's the sound of rock and roll. Mm. It, it, gives me, it gave me goosebumps more than once as we're, we've interviewed probably 30 to 40 people throughout this past year talking to people who use API consoles and just the passion, right? But the passion that the engineers, like how would you dist- – like it's just – it's so incredible to see. I mean, it's just the center of everything. It's They're so grateful and so honored to be working in front of just such a work of art and genius and ingenuity and that's lasted forever and will last forever. Because when you make music, it's, it's timeless. Yeah. It's forever. It's such a part of their creative process. And not that you're, you're selling yourself short, but I think you guys are selling yourself short because I, you guys do a great job. And, and I want to I take this time right now and two things. Number one, I want to say thank you to you, Larry, for A, keeping API going. It's, it's such a big part of our culture and the music that it's, that's recorded. I mean, the doors. We were at Sunset Sound and the doors recorded on their API that's over there. You know, that was pretty pretty amazing. And the Beach Boys too. Yeah. I mean, it's just the all the you know, if you look at the list of what's come out of, you know, the Van Halen, you know, mm-hmm. Led Zeppelin. I mean, just these iconic records, you know, and and uh so to be able to take that the legacy and not talk about API as a company that was great back then, where it's actually the greater days are ahead of them. And Larry, you've done a really great job of, of just guiding the company back onto and elevating the brand to a level that's taken it higher. You know? and, and I will say this, you know, the fact that you brought Saul back into the fold, I just thought that was one of the greatest things ever. Well, it disappointed me at the time that he was, had been underappreciated by this industry. Uh, and, and I thought we we certainly owed him uh, a little more visibility in our industry than he had, had he achieved. Yeah, I, I, I think that's 100%. But the fact that you even even thought that way, I just think it speaks a lot about you, Larry. You're, you're a great man. You're doing some really great things. And just the fact that, that API is thriving and is a success is you know is because of your leadership. So well, I just, thank I you, just Mike. Gotta, I, I, I'm privileged to be here. I got to give you some kudos. And I also just want to say that everyone we've met through meeting people with API consoles and different recording studios have been the most kind, genuine, wonderful people. And I think that that speaks volumes about the company and the people who work at API hmm. because you just attract these wonderful, kind people, and they just couldn't be more um, just overjoyed to be working on such an incredible 
you know, console. When you sit behind a, uh, a, a, a you know, some of the consoles, you, you can see where the joy comes from that, that Bliss is talking about. Because to be able to go every day, like Brandon, to be able to go to Zach Brown's studio and sit behind that console mm. and just, you know. And what's so great is, is you, you know, there's so many, the iconic look of the console it's just it's a gorgeous looking console i'd like of all the consoles out there you just you look at an api console and it's just designed so well and there's so many great classic beautiful consoles and they all kind of you know it's an api whether it's an old you know white console that you see over at house of blue studios in nashville to to any of the studios that uh you know even some of the smaller ones like the one at omnisound and stuff like that like mm-hmm. they're all part of the same brotherhood mm-hmm. so anyway so good job man and i no, wanted to thank you thank we're gonna you. we're gonna wrap it up right now but i just wanted to thank you for letting us come over here and talk a little bit about api and um let's talk about the future really quick project well, it's out there. <laughs> <laughs> it's bright. <laughs> you wear shades. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. I think it's um, punchy and mid-forward. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'll tell you what that I neglected. Uh, you got your your pedals. Like, that's a whole new mm, thing. Whole new and, thing. And even then, you go to, you see an API pedal, and first of all, you know it's an API pedal because you look at the knobs. And second of all, it sounds amazing. That's like, you know, you're not going to let a pedal out that doesn't sound great. And it looks, it looks like it's going to be around through a couple wars because it's so <laughs> big and beefy. And <laughs> Certainly. You know, here's the thing about API gear, right? You know, some people say API gear is too expensive. Some people say, and, and the thing I like about you guys and before we wrap it up is like you build quality products and you, you price it at your price point and you stand behind your product and it's worth every penny, you know? And I just think that's great. And at the same time, a box, you know, if you want to open a studio, if you want to make some money, it's affordable. I, I probably will never, ever be able to buy a legacy. I'm sorry, Larry, but, uh, (laughs) but you know, a box is, that's realistic. And Mm. that's something to start. It's a real console. It's a real console and it's something to start. And before we go, you, a, a good, um, success story is you got to look at what's happening over at Strange Weather in uh, mm. in New York. Mm-hmm. Those guys started with you know little pieces of gear here, and then they got the sixteen oh eight, and then their business started hopping. Then and they got uh, a thirty two channel sixteen oh eight. Yeah, thirty two channels, and they they grew into the uh, the very first access console, mm-hmm. which is which is incredible. Were you gonna add anything? All right. Anyhow, um, I just wanted to thank you guys. Thank you, Larry. Thank you, Todd. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Dave. <laughs> Thank it's a you, pleasure. Bliss. Nice to have you. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Thanks for coming to our little part of the world. <laughs> all right. Well, for myself and uh, and all the guys here and girl at uh, API, thank you for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to the Audio Nowcast, sponsored by API and Wireworld Pro Audio. The Audio Nowcast is hosted by Mike Rodriguez. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.